Hey, welcome to the Top Top Moto Hour. This is our first ever episode uh, where we take a look at all things moto from a different perspective. Joining me are Chris. Hello. Robert. Hello. And Danny. Hello. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Seamless. So what's kind of the point of this podcast? First of all, thanks for tuning in and listening. Um, We wanted to do the podcast to talk about all things moto from kind of a budget perspective. Uh, Sometimes we have the money to go out and kind of buy a kitted up, kind of ready to go bike. Uh, But a lot of us, including all of us, uh, did it. So we kind of talk, I think the point of the show will be to talk projects, maintenance, kind of moto travel, and more subjects really that come up uh, on the cheap. I think this will also be a great place to kind of talk about getting more people into riding, uh, kind of expanding that uh, culture a little bit, and kind of helping other people who are kind of unsure of where to begin, how to get started. Yay. Yeah. Excited. Yeah, Yeah. I think... think I mean, I think everyone can relate to when you're getting started out riding motorcycles. I feel like there's there's a natural progression of mistakes that have to be made uh, in buying yes. non-running so broken motorcycles for, for a very little amount of money uh, to the point where you, you learn how to fix or how to at least, um, I guess you learn what things are worth trying to fix and what things are better <laughs> left avoided, uh, what aren't worth your time. So, um, uh, Yeah. Let me take on it. Yeah, and for this first show, we want to kind of talk about those first bikes, those first experiences that we had. Um, Robert, I know ours was kind of intertwined. Yeah. We'll get to that at some point. Um, but yeah, we all kind of listen to different podcasts. I'm wondering actually kind of what you guys are listening to. I've been listening a lot to Recycle Garage, Motorcycles and Misfits. Uh, Dirt Bike Channel has a really great podcast. Meg Braps makes a lot of really good content. Kind of shout out to Cross Training Enduro, the funniest guys on the internet. Torture Test Mag. Um, but kind of curious what other two-wheeled podcasts uh, you guys are listening to right now, too. I only listen to Motorcycles Misfits and Meg's Braps because her videos are hilarious, A, and also super informative, especially for people who are new writers like me. I'm a total new new baby writer, and my skills are like shit. (laughs) So... (laughs) It's really it's, tough. Ha- it's hard and it's really great to like see like other women who are just like in the in the scene in the culture like doing cool technical stuff who are short and little like me and like doing it and fucking shredding it's tight. Yeah. Meg Meg's Braps uh big shout out if you're listening you're probably not. But probably. maybe one day you'll listen. And big shout out, you know, she's like 5 foot 3 and she's riding a Husky 300 I think. And I know she's lowered it a little bit, but like all the kind of cross training and trial style writing she does, I think is is always every time I watch her content or listen to something she puts out is really um, like super inspiring because I'm like, dang, like if someone who's 110 pounds and five foot three can throw a bike around like that, why can't I, you know? And and she just puts so much time and dedication into it. It's super huge inspiration. Any other listens right now that are that are. are shouting out i'm in the same boat i've been uh i just caught up on the most recent episode of uh motorcycles and misfits today cleaning a uh well uh, endless journey cleaning up this old triumph that i've been working on um which we can talk more about later but i was i was cleaning a bunch of crusty old paint and bondo off a tank today getting Ew. caught up on on motorcycles and misfits <laughs> uh and then yeah for torture test mag is another great one and i think very um very like my or uh, yeah like minds on that one kind of just like how do you do the how do you do the most with what you got and uh you know don't let anyone talk down your your cheap bike <laughs> totally i mean you know gabe definitely sends it and yeah another huge inspiration danny anything you're listening to these days uh honestly i don't hey, what are the i don't listen what are the moped <laughs> podcasts <laughs> there, like? there, there's yeah. that, like we brought danny on danny is our special interest he's uh into mopeds and scooters no. is it scooters just or just mopeds oh sorry just <laughs> and uh you know we wanted to bring a little bit of variety to the show not just be all about dirt I mean, bikes or i know bikes, how to ride a motorcycle talk about but i don't have go. one i got like 13 mopeds one day yeah, we'll get you exactly. on a motorcycle. Um, no, there's one called Moped Monday that's pretty entertaining. I don't listen to it super regularly. Um, most of my other podcasts are like Dungeons and Dragons. And I just listen to them while I'm at work. So, you know. Hell yeah. Just, the, just good stuff. 
fucking time. Yeah, and I think that's another big point, you know, is a lot of these, like, especially, I'm sure Recycle Garage will come up a lot. I've been on the show a couple times. I love the show so much. Shout out to Liza and Bagel. Mike, you know, Naked Jim, all of them. Like, it's such Miss a Emma. wonderful show. Miss Emma. Miss Emma. Do not forget. forget. Miss Emma, right? Miss you Emma. You know, because it's, it's such a wonderful perspective on bikes. But I love putting on Recycle Garage while I'm working on stuff because it's just such – it's so cool to hear other people talk about their projects and where they're going. So I guess this is kind of the idea of the podcast is we just want to have another more space to put – uh, more uh, another space for stuff like that to tell stories like that and tell stories about our own kind of projects and adventures but maybe from the I don't know from the budget side so <laughs> so kind of moving in um, just to get a kind of an idea of, of who we are uh, you know we're going to talk about our first bikes but I'm wondering really quick uh, a couple questions like where are you located what's this is the big question What's your running to non-running project oh, bike ratio? This was, you put, this was an 11th hour question put in just to put me, just to throw me I under did. the bus, I think. I was like, I mean, mine's pretty bad, but maybe not as bad as Robert's. <laughs> what What got you into motos or scooters or mopeds or whatever Danny rides? God damn it. And what, <laughs> what's, uh, just kidding. He rides mopeds. We'll, we'll be serious here. They have pedals. They're not scooters because they have pedals or yes. something so and what's on what's on your bench so you know what is taking up your time these days danny where are you and what's your running to non-running project uh, ratio? down in san diego um california i don't know why anyone would not i guess there's a san diego there's not a, there's, san diego, there's a san diego texas texas yeah and Could be somewhere anywhere. and somewhere in south so america weird. if i remember correctly what yeah damn i don't know there's some somewhere else there is a San Diego besides Texas and here. Um, I think if we're doing just my bikes, it's like a 50-50. Running to not running. If you include Rochelle's, um, she has one. She has one non-running, so that that jacks it up a little bit. But, yeah, I, but think it's like, but I think it's like let's get some numbers. Yeah, I think you're short selling it by just giving us the ratio. We need the numbers. Yeah, yeah. Let's I get literally some don't here. remember because there's like there's <laughs> like two frames sitting in the yard too. That one of them like I fully stripped down because the bike was free, and I was like, I'm gonna restore this, and I was doing a really good job for like a week. Um, but I, I but I'm gonna go week. like six. Yeah, I'm gonna go six running, six non-running. For me, respectable, respectable. Yeah, and then Rochelle has four, and I think three out of four run. How many are under that tarp? Uh, there's like six. <laughs> like, and, okay, that's well, and the, the two frames. Yeah, because all those are like the ones that like don't run, or all the ones that I say run, I probably just need to clean the carb. And I'm not bullshit. I'm not bullshitting. <laughs> I just famous last I words. Just, I just haven't haven't ridden in so long because of moving and you know just life. So. They legitimately just need a carb clean because they're. It ran. It ran before being placed <laughs> it, it under ran tarp. Be- just needs a carb it clean ran when parked. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, as for what what got me in, um, honestly, like I just had this interest in getting something with two wheels that was motored, but I didn't really know what, and I was originally gonna first get a scooter i think and then i found this vespa grande that i was gonna get and it was a super good deal okay um that's a moped not a scooter um for those who don't know um but then someone talked me out of it saying like, oh it's probably gonna be really hard to find parts for that little did i fucking find out that that is not the case at all and i definitely should have bought that bike <laughs> God damn. <laughs> um, but then uh, when Rochelle and I started dating like four something years ago, um, she had a moped and I was like, all right, it's time to pull the trigger. Um, yeah. It's got to get something. Yeah. yeah. And then How it had spiraled. Yes. I mean, so that, and then, yeah, so it sounds like, you know, you wanted to get something and mo- mo- I would say mopeds definitely are that gateway to a lot, a lot of people for motored projects in general. I know a lot of people uh, who are like are into working on a lot of things, but that first passion was always kind of moto was uh, mopeds. So I mean, they're really light. That's the other thing I was going to ask. You have twelve mopeds, but how much does one of those things weigh? Uh, I would say average, they're like hundred pounds. 
Okay, so 12 mopeds is the same way to fuck like four or five bikes so that's nice because i i always hate pushing yeah. the bikes in and out of the shop when i've got to move mm-hmm. things around it really sucks yeah i what's on your bench right now um the one i've been working on most is probably this derby variant um it's a spanish moped um i i got it and it was like kind of running but kind of not like i could ride it up the block but it wouldn't idle um so i, I bought a whole new car <laughs> it doesn't I, need I, idle. yeah fuck that I bought a whole new carb and that didn't do it. So I was just like, uh, and then someone's like, Oh, I've got this 70 CC kit for it. And I was like, all right, cool. Whittle to remember that you have to like Dremel down these weird notches that are inside the engine or the piston will hit them and crack, oh, which what? happened to me. Cause I didn't funnel fire. Ah, I didn't Dremel them down enough. So I had to source out another piston for this. Thirty-year-old oh. kit. <laughs> they don't make Painful. anymore. Nice. Um, oh my yeah. god! So that's that's what I've been working on. I I'm like almost there, but digging Play-Doh out of the engine because I don't want to crack the cases is you know I'm at this <laughs> point I'm probably going to. I think there's enough metal shavings in there that I'd be like worried to run it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but yes, I, yeah, yeah. You know, I think I have a gasket set somewhere. I have the WR450F, a 2006, and every time I drain the oil, I get, like, just a little bit of residual, like, tiny, tiny metal flake. And I'm always like, like, damn, where is this going? Like, what is going to happen? And it still just keeps chugging along. Valves are in spec. Like, back clutch basket looks fine. It's not losing it from anywhere I can tell. I uh, have no idea if it's a transmission one day. <laughs> maybe I'll pay that price. But in the meantime, it's been running great. i've read about people online and they're like oh yeah you know like a little bit of uh metal shavings on there not a big deal that's just just a little bit yeah just a little bit that's just the clutch shedding its skin it'll grow a new skin over the the, the 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 gear is just fitting yeah it's molting Uh, all right let's see robert tell us about where are you at what is your running <laughs> to non-running bike ratio moment of truth bruh oh, I, I, feel, I feel put on the spot i'm in uh, sunny los angeles california uh where everything is too expensive and uh let's see current zero to three um <laughs> but you know it's, it's coming along. Hey, two of the three have spark right now. So there's hey, there's only one way to go from here, which is uh, exactly that is, exactly. That is yeah, a damn, that's only, a damn lie. He's gonna go only back get out better. tomorrow, and there's gonna be no spark. That's <laughs> so Don't it's say a that. uh, it's a um, well. You know what? They're good, good project bike. Good, honest project bikes. Uh, get a seventy-two CL three fifty, uh, sort of a classic. Um, which just needs uh that one's just electrical honestly um and just because right now it's in storage and i haven't touched it in favor of the other two so i have a 1964 uh triumph t100 sc uh competition um which i'm really stoked about been working on that that was the tank i was working on today and then just picked up an even stupider bigger project which is a, a 1971 uh husky uh 400 cross so really living my Southern California Steve McQueen dreams down here. I was um, going to say, that's the, that's the on any Sunday that is Steve the, McQueen that bike, That is right? the on any Sunday Pendleton Dunes bike. Uh, Hell yeah. For those, for those not uh, in the know with their old Huskies. Uh, it's a four-speed. Uh, it's the last year of the, of the round sort of cases, little tiny, looks like a goldfish cracker-shaped case. Uh, <laughs> I swear the, the gears in the transmission look like they came out of a moped. Uh, just does not inspire confidence for an 80, 81, I think, millimeter piston. Um, that one's that one's a project I've got right now. One of the one of the cases I have a main bearing race that's seized in the case, but I think with a little a uh, little convincing, it'll come out okay. Um, yeah, so that's what's on the bench right now. The Triumph is kind of the focus to try to get it running. Uh, and what was the other question? So, what kind of got you started? What got you yeah. into motos? Um, I think getting started was like working on cars, honestly, with my dad. So, um, you know, growing up in California, just like working on working on my own cars, working on my dad's car, helping him out with that. You know, like anything else, I think 
the classic story. It starts with your first oil change, and then um, 20 years later, you're wondering why your garage is full of projects. (laughs) (laughs) You empower people to make questionable uh, monetary choices uh, by showing them how to use tools. And uh, so, yeah, working on cars for me, and that was kind of just a natural progression. So I always worked on my own cars, and then also was into bicycles and always did my own work on my bikes, rebuilding bikes and uh, swapping out parts and building things, which is like the fun part of it. I really, always really liked the, the tinkering, the looking for old parts, you know, the match everything, cheesy stuff like that. And so it's kind of the natural progression. You have these two, you, know, you, have, you have engines and you have two wheeled things. And inevitably <laughs> you realize that working on a motor on a motorcycle is a lot more fun than working on a motor inside a car. Uh, you can reach everything. Um, and it's, you know, there's just nothing like it. Truly. And yeah, I am also, I've got a three quarter ton Chevy and I will split cases on any of my bikes before I have to change the spark plugs (laughs) on a truck. I don't know. I, I can do both. I just way prefer working on bikes for sure. So Robert, I'm, I'm going to attribute you getting into motos as living in East County. That's the real reason. <laughs> I think I think Jordan is more the victim of that. Mine was so for me it was my my dad uh again a long-time motorcycle aficionado. Uh, some great pictures of him on an old like 305 Honda Scrambler. Um but kind of again tale as old as time when I was born, my mom you know said that's it, no more riding motorcycles. So he got rid of I think his last uh, he had an old, like, I want to say red tank XR that I remember kicking around okay. when I was really, really little. And that was the last I remember seeing a motorcycle around. So I think that probably also put that element of like, oh man, there's something about him. Something about him <laughs> is so, so cool that even like, you know, they're, they're really? like, yeah, you can't just have them laying around. So sort of the forbidden fruit of, uh, all right. So Chris, yes, what was that? first bike for you um so my first bike was the yamaha dt175 not clapped out (laughs) so this is the perks of 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 jordan is he finds me the bikes and i (laughs) and i ride them and it's lovely um and the dt is such a cool bike because it's just this tiny little two-stroke easy to ride easy to start blue super cute all the hipsters and the old dads around town are like where's where can i get this bike let me buy it off you that Um, is a fun bike it is it's so fun and it's just for any of our friends who have never ridden a bike they can just hop onto it and just go and it's it's kind of yeah it's kind of become the loner bike yeah it's so forgiving i was also gonna say uh not not pictured or mentioned was the what was it dt2 that preceded that bike (laughs) we don't talk about the dt we don't talk about the dt2 but yeah that was my first bike and it was really fun to learn how to ride at brown's camp in tillamook that was super tight it was 900 bucks or 950 out of Junction City, Oregon, from this dude that Jordan met somewhere. I think I talked. Met. I think I actually talked him down to 850, did and it you? had a. I did, and it, it had a title. It was rare for bikes I get. <laughs> and it's plated. <laughs> and it's rare. Bike. Tank, yeah, right. And Tank is plated. in good condition. It's plated, yeah, because of the street legal. Uh, and the guy actually took it to um, a pretty well-known shop in Eugene, Oregon just outside of where he lived in Junction, and it had a fresh bottom and top end rebuild uh, with receipts. So 850 was not Dang. not a bad deal. The best buy ever. And that's what sold me, is like Jordan got me a cute bike and took me to ride it, and then we started riding trails, and then I rode that cedar tree trail in Tillamook, and I was just like, this is great, but holy shit, does the suspension suck on this bike? Because I was, it it was just like, and it still had blinkers on it, so like, when I drop it, I'd be like, god damn it, like, I'm gonna... (laughs) It just protects protects the tank. I guess, 
But I felt, like, so shitty because the bike looks so good restored. Like, we have to take the blinkers off that thing if somebody's... Because they have those, like, chrome chrome signals still, right? Yes. They have, like, chrome old 70s with chrome. the round. It's, yeah. yeah, like, the, the 70s big style round. Yeah. And they're super hard to find in good condition. So we've <laughs> since... Yeah, we've now since we know why. Yeah, so we got to take that shit off or else. Yeah. And it wasn't clapped out, which was nice. And... But my first, like real bike i really want to say is the xr 200r um and that's like my first trail bike my first dirt bike i fell on that thing i ran into a tree on that thing got my ass kicked on that thing and it's still running it's still it's still kicking and that was the last project i had on the bench was to reseal the forks and then i got pregnant <laughs> and the doctor said no, no more, more motorcycles no more no more working on things with weird chemicals and like yada yada so jordan had to take over that project and he fixed my bike back up but now i just have to stare at it and be like what the fuck don't worry i'll break and it look- in march <laughs> <laughs> yeah. please don't break it. my bike before i can ride it in like august i'm just waiting I just rode it around the yard today because I have this new rule for the year, which is on any Sunday, which is pause the podcast right now. If you've never seen on any Sunday, please stop listening. It's so Go good. watch on any Sunday. Robert, Chris, everyone can attest that I've seen that movie probably like 15 times. And watch, I always it try to get people watch it every Sunday. You watch I, it every sometimes fucking Sunday. <laughs> I feel like so. You're in but the in shop the, and you're they, watching it. In the, spirit, in the spirit of, I love watching it while I work on bikes. Yeah, but yeah. in the spirit of the movie, I, I'm trying to make it this year so that I at least ride a little bit. We live in a place where it snows pretty regularly. So I even if it's just like somewhat clear Sunday, I try to rip around the block a couple times. So I took the, two, the XR200 out. I'm taking it out every couple weeks to make sure it stays fresh and that bike was actually two hundred dollars uh, i bought it in terrebonne oregon it had a blown up clutch basket and with about two hundred dollars worth of parts it was back on the road and mm-hmm. it's been a just a solid dirt bike it's the long travel suspension uh 200 not the so play bike 200 it's so nice mm-hmm. that thing's a mule it just dragged me up so many high hills and all kinds of crap the tires that are on that thing are gummy and dig in it, it's just like really confidence inspiring as a new rider so 10 out of 10 would recommend if you find one you better scoop that bitch up (laughs) truly the xrs are the best trail like fun learning bike i think we have a question later on that uh from one of our pre-listeners they haven't even listened to the podcast and i got some questions today um but they were talking about you know what's that what's that ideal first dirt bike i cannot recommend xrs enough i've had yeah. more than any one person should own and they have always been really solid definitely definitely but yeah that's it that's all i got uh you're up Jordan. yeah I'm what up. do you what's on your bench what's, what's the on? ratio there Not yeah really um, yeah all right, well hold on pump the brakes here because i'm talking. two for two thanks to you <laughs> uh so i i guess i didn't say uh Chris and I are both in La Grand, Oregon. Oh, yeah, that's right. Although, you know, it was sunny today, and it's been pretty sunny. It's windy Um, more than anything. You appreciate it more, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, So, yeah, it's been clear, but it's been in the 30s and 40s and 20s some days, so it's been pretty cold. We have a couple riding areas. I ride mostly dirt, um, and so dirt areas are mostly under snow, but there is some high desert areas where there's still a little bit of riding. I so I'm out here in eastern the northeast Oregon uh, northeast corner of Oregon, and my running to non-running ratio I'm at. Let's see. Well, Robert listed his bikes. I got to list list mine so I can remember how many I have. I've got a two thousand the the workhorse is the two thousand six WR four fifty. It's plated as a dual sport. Um, that's running. I checked today. Still running. <laughs> Um, I won't count, I won't count the DT and the 200, although those are both running. Uh, but since they're technically Chris's bikes, I guess I can't count them. Um, so let's see, I've got the, that that makes my ratio down. Yeah. That makes my ratio much worse. Um, I've got the four, the 450, the old 450. She's running, uh, the WRF. I've also got a Yamaha. I just picked up a 1994 WR250Z. So not the four stroke 250 wr250 but the uh two stroke back from the 90s and it's basically a yz250 with a wide ratio transmission that's running mostly mostly running Mo- mostly. A, little, a couple little quirks left um i've got 
the uh, my neighbor just gave me uh 1981 uh mx100 there's like a little tiny 102 stroke really similar to the dt not running i've got the uh, zrx 1100 not running with a really weird ignition problem right now otherwise really complete ready to go i've got a honda cb400t hawk 2 also not running and in storage very sad situation um, I've got remnants of an XT225. I barely count that as a bike because it's it's already mostly been parted out and it's it's kind of half gone. Uh, also not running. And what else is in the shed? Got, got that Suzuki two. that you just got. Oh yeah, right. And it's uh, forced, literally forced upon me. <laughs> it was not forced upon you. I oh, encouraged you I've to go that, crazy. That, 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 that price is forced that upon you. That was the side. That was the problem. Is Chris push? She didn't push me into it. But I was like, man, I don't know. I think I should get this. And she said yes. A two hundred dollar, <laughs> two hundred dollars. I could not pass up for a very original, all included. Like everything's there. Uh, 1974 GT 185. That's uh, Suzuki's two-cylinder, two-stroke uh, street bike, like their little commuter bike, and it is so cool. It has like 1,200 miles on the odometer. It's like the plastics are immaculate. The tank is really, really nice. It's got teeny tiny bit of rust inside, but it's super clean. Uh, that one just got off the bench, um, so I've got that. So I think I'm sitting at like two. I just sold a 76 CB 750. Oh, you did uh, sell to, it. Yes, it's a funny <laughs> story. It. It's a very funny story. Oh, really quickly. It's I sold it to a guy who's in Mexico, but he lives in Tri-Cities. Or Lewiston, sorry. Okay. And uh, he was like, I really, I need this bike. I need this to be my spring project bike. And I was like, all right, how can we make this work? And he, sure enough, I sent him a bill of sale and he sent me a PayPal. We worked it out. And so now he's the proud owner of the... CB750 Supersport. That is so, still so in the is, garage. So yellow, he's yellow picking up. Back. He's picking what was that? it up. What? Oh, yeah. He, he's picking it up in, in like... April. <laughs> April or like end of March. April. I was like, you know... I was like, we could just probably figure it out when you get back. He's like, no, I have to I have to have this. And I was like, all right, cool. Let's do it. So anyways, that one's gone. So I don't have that. I think I'm sitting at seven bikes total. And if I don't count Chris's uh, bikes and I'm at like two to, yeah, it's like, it's like two to seven, but two are super, super close. The GT should be up and running in no time. And it's got spark compression. Everything looks really good. The carbs are solid. And then the ZRX has a weird ignition problem. That's my one uh, street bike, my old man street bike. Yeah. Um, I got into motos really similar to Robert was like I rode bicycles. I never really worked on cars as much growing up. Um, and when I met Robert, it was it was nice to have someone who really had that breadth of knowledge because then I could say like, hey, I'm looking at all these clapped out motorcycles. What do you think about this? And he had that kind of uh, uh, forethought to kind of fill me in on, you know, basic engine stuff so i had worked on trucks a little bit before i got into motorcycles and done a couple jobs like water pumps and i think a head gasket maybe up until that point but nothing like too crazy so um yeah it was it was interesting but i got into it because i really like uh, bicycles i really liked uh traveling like backpacking or doing like expeditions and i watched tons and tons of stuff on like you know people just loading down dirt bikes or i'd see them when i moved to pacific northwest i saw a lot of people who just load down dirt bikes and like head out and i was like dang that's what i want to do so most most of my drive to getting into motos and doing that has been um like moto traveling especially moto camping uh to definitely i take a few usually big trips per year and lots of little trips and i love it uh and as far as what's on my bench I, the wr250 still on the bench i got a lot done on this weekend Refurb the clutch. I did um, put a new carb on it. A new, a new thirty-five dollar Kehan uh, Kehan knockoff <laughs> PWK. That's very questionable. eBay special. <laughs> eBay special. Uh, that's maybe going to be a bad decision. I don't know. And just kind of did a general cleaning of all the most of the pivot points and did a cable clean. Um, check the power valve just kind of got from more familiar with it this weekend cleaned it up after riding it for the past couple weekends it's been a really solid bike it's kind of my woods build i think it's going to be a solid good complement to the 450 which is more of an open 
Um, so Chris, we talked a little bit kind of about what that, you know, the topic is that, that first bike. Um, and we got into actually how much it was paid. So what, what do you think though about that DT? What kind of made it, I guess he talked about it a little bit, but what, what kind of made it that first good bike? Um, what made it the first really good bike, honestly, is like the fact that it's just easy to kickstart. Like, I feel like that's, like, usually the big, like, entrance point for some people who are trying to, if they can't kick over the bike, if they can't even just get it started, it's, like, a point of, like, wanting to give up. Because um, when you're just kicking a bike, like, 20 times, you're like, what the actual fuck is going on? Like, why it's can't... Frustrating. It's so frustrating, and it's just, it's frustrating when it's on the trail, but, like, it's either you kick the bike or you're pushing the bike all the way back to the end of the trail, so you're kind of, like, in it at that point but when you're learning like just being able to just like maybe two or three times and then you get it you get the process of it and then you're like cool i can do this and then figuring out the clutch is super easy because the clutch on that bike is just like butter it's so nice um especially if you're not used to like anything geared or driving anything geared it's really really fun and it's low to the ground and it's light you can maneuver it without like feeling like you're going to fall over it looks nice you feel and that's kind of a that's kind of a a big hurdle right is is learning how to use a clutch and like do that kind of stuff do you feel like that was a good bike to kind of get going on yeah i think so i think it was a good like stepping stone because it was like it was low to the ground it wasn't too big of an engine for me to like it wasn't ripping my arms off it was just very gentle and the throttle was really gentle because some people like they'll death grip because you don't know what the hell you're doing you're not riding a motorcycle so you're gonna death grip things really hard and so if you're doing that with a throttle with a bike that has like 40 foot pounds of fucking torque and you're just like (laughs) your arm rips off you're like flying off the thing you probably don't have proper gear on in the first place so you probably shouldn't even be like fucking around with the bike in the first place but, like, it's, like, really nice, really gentle. And that's why I loved it as, like, a first bike. And then graduating to the XR was cool because it had a little bit more power, but I got comfortable riding around the neighborhood and on, like, super easy trails or just, like, on dirt forest roads on that thing. And so I had a way, I knew my way around a bike at that point. So graduating to, like, a taller bike better suspension can actually do a lot more than the dt can it was really confidence inspiring because i knew what to do and like feeling out the throttle is a lot easier when you already know what to expect in a motorcycle instead of going into it completely unaware but yeah yeah and and we like when people come and visit uh chris and i or you know, in pre-COVID, pre-COVID times. Pre-COVID. This was filmed. This was recorded in the pandemic of 2021. For those, <laughs> for those youngsters for those listening, listening in the future, know. someone's gonna listen to this at some point. And from 2081, what, what are they talking about? 81. What the fuck? Are you <laughs> about? Anyways, when people used to hang out in large groups, um, I used to roll out the DT and just like get everyone to ride it because it's something that's so nice if you if you dump the clutch really quick it it stalls but it's not like a really violent stall mm-hmm. it's a two stroke it has a, it has a really light flywheel so it's pretty mellow pretty easy to ride and that yeah that low to the ground um aspect of it you know that really makes it yeah. easy to um to easy like to approach ride. and get on and it's easy to kick start because it's it's just a 175 totally and everyone who's ridden it who's never ridden a bike before has had a big ass smile on their face once they like stopped riding the bike and they're like whoa this is cool i'm like yeah bitch you too can get a motorcycle <laughs> and feel I, this good all the time <laughs> i have like a collection of videos it's probably converted like it's probably solidly converted like people have ridden it um and like been like damn i need to get a bike and then either hit me up to go look at a bike or i help them find their next bike it's gotten three or four people like solidly interested get that ball rolling get going so like i'll never get rid of it i think it's magic i'm very like religious with bikes i I want more and more people to be a part of it and get into it 
and having something like that is so cool to get people into it. So yeah, that DT-175 is small, it's light, it's easy to get on. It always puts, it puts a smile on my face every time I ride around town. It's got well, that nice vintage flair. Well, and I think that, Chris, you kind of touched on something too, talking about the XR200 in the woods, which is like, you know, the, the dirt sort of equivalent of that is when you have a bike that's low where you can put your feet down and it gives you that little bit of confidence so you can kind of push yourself a little more uh, I've ridden that DT too, and it's such a just like fun little bike. But you never feel there's never that feeling of like I could I could be in danger. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always it's always fun, and I think that makes it really easy to come over from either you know maybe you're coming from bicycles or you're coming from just never having been on a motorcycle at all, where you, you always have that confidence of like okay if I need to stop I can, uh, and and I think having that little mental roadblock out of the way really can help mm-hmm. you know totally. send it. <laughs> and that's and on the kind of topic of first bikes, talking about that transition to 200, if there are people listening, a question I see that gets posted online a lot is like, how do I get friend or family member or spouse or like whoever into riding if they don't ride? Um, yeah, get like a really mellow, mellow bike, the TTR 125, XR200, the KLX 140. Or get a moped <laughs> and hate your life no. when you're going down a trail and it has no mopeds are fun. Don't take it Stop on a, talking shit. Don't take it on, on the a trail. Mopeds. But if you ride it around the so, neighborhood going twenty, you know what? Twenty-five. When the rest of us all, when the rest of us all break down, Danny's going to be laughing, pedaling as well. No, I wouldn't have broken down like twenty minutes ago. But I have pedals and I can get home that way. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll clear. I'll add a, a qualifier to that is like when talking about trail riding or dual sporting or things like that. Um, the point I was going to make, though, get something low. But also what I did out of the gate with Chris's bike, because I mean, she's a really great rider. I have, I have the footage to prove it. She shreds like she's actually taken some really gnarly stuff. We rode some really gnarly trails in Montana and she just absolutely crushed Got my it. my ass um, kicked, but I did it. <laughs> she crushed it the whole it was a long full day. She did it. Um, put a, put gummy tires on there, man. Yes. I run the gummy tires on my two stroke. Now, uh, those soft compound tires are so confidence inspiring. They won't really hit a corner. You can't really rail corners with them or like slide out. Um, but that's what makes them such a great, I think a great beginner's tire. Cause you can literally ride, ride that thing. And it's like, it's just a total tractor up everything. So, okay. Totally. What, uh, what did that look like for you, Danny? You talked a little bit at the top about that first bike what was that first moped for you kind of how did you get to it do you have a good story about getting it i want to hear um yeah so it was a 2001 tomos sprint i want to say i think it's the sprint maybe it was a target i can't remember if target is only top tank or not um but i bought it from this dude behind well, he lived behind a liquor store, so. But if I sounded, if I Solid. just said behind a liquor store, it sounds way sketchier than it was. <laughs> he was he was living above the liquor store. <laughs> I'm eating down in the alley. Um, but I was a kid. I was like, hey kid, come get this bike. Yeah, we're, we're not gonna go farther than that. Um, but so he had a, a locked gas cap, which that was my first mistake. He didn't have the key for the gas cap. <laughs> Um, he's like, no, I just jam a screwdriver in there. You'll be fine. <laughs> that was like 30% true. Um, uh, let's see. What what else? Well, you need a metric screwdriver. You know, those are yeah. European. It's mopeds. a Slovenian moped. There you go. Um, <laughs> Got to use Slovenian standard screws <laughs> only. Um, I, I paid like, I think it was like 545 which in retrospect was probably about $300 too much. <laughs> um, I, I was supposed to be going to this, this uh, like dinner or like everyone's going out for, for drinks after one of my coworkers had their last day um, at um, the Starbucks I worked at. And I was like, Oh no, I have enough time. But then it was like one of those things where you're buying something off of Craigslist and you end up like, questioning that person's life on why they bought that bike and their whole story behind it so (laughs) i was like an hour and a half late (laughs) to the dinner even though i was just down the street um i had to fit it in the back of my volkswagen rabbit wow yeah my 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 plan was to get it park my car there in golden hill and then ride to south park which is like a three mile ride because I didn't really optimistic. I, yeah, I was very optimistic, but 
I didn't realize what condition that bike was in, but I was, I was committed because this dude pulled a fast one and had someone else come at the same time that yeah. I was coming to look at oh. it. So oh, the I know. Damn. It was, Played you like a fiddle. it was, I mean, I don't think they knew each other because this dude was like also going to get it, but I was there a few minutes first. So he's like, you have first dibs, but if you don't get it, like I'm going to buy it. <laughs> this guy, this guy's <laughs> taking it. Um, which wow. in retrospect, I should have let that guy have it. <laughs> so it, it was a, it was like a, it was in pretty good condition. Like it had the side covers and or the feet covers or whatever. Um, other than the fact that it didn't run and the gas tank was, uh, if you don't know anything about mopeds, most of them have in-frame tanks and their step-throughs, and there was there okay. was a lot of rust in there. Ew. And that the carb on that thing, I I cleaned it so many times to the point where I could get it to start and run, but it wouldn't idle. So I remember one of the first rides that we went on. I literally just had to wide open throttle it the entire ride, even when we were at yeah. stops. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> um, so I, I guess uh, I would say the the logical follow up question then is like, what was it about that that bike in particular that made that was like, yeah, this is it. This is this is I want to I want to have seventeen of these in my in my backyard. <laughs> yes. Or or I guess in your case, was it was it in spite of that first one that you were like, okay, I got to prove that this is something I can, like, overcome? No, I mean, I think it was, like, just, like, the fact that Rochelle had hers, and hers worked, like, 50% of the time. It was cursed. Um, that's a story for another day. Um, but it was, like, we finally both had one. We could, It was just, like, an, a fun hobby to do together. Um, that bike lasted for a good while. And then, like, three years ago, I got hit by a car when I was riding it. And then, Dang. yeah, it was fun. Damn. Um, Damn. And then it still ran, which was very impressive. But I eventually, ri- like, something happened to it. I don't know. The tank sprung a leak, and then I got another frame. So I still have the engine for that bike. But in the move, I finally got rid of the frame. So it it's, like, a third still around. <laughs> it will haunt you forever no it's great now i had the engine worked on and got built up and it's oh, nice a blast it's got a custom exhaust on it now it's great nice damn yeah that that one what? that i i sent the other day that the crank that was the, the crank the crank's pipe about. yeah that's that's that engine that was at one point hit by a car wow looks yeah. good does the job what was what was that first bike for you robert Oh man, there's a story. So Jordan knows this story because he was there for it. My first uh, first bike was a 1981 or 82 Yamaha SR250 Exciter. Yeah, uh, And that was a bike that almost ended up as Jordan's, was intended to be yep. Jordan's. That was <laughs> yeah. a Craigslist bike out in somewhere in, Por- in Portland. I don't remember. It was when we were both, deep, we were living, we were all living southeast. in St. John's. <laughs> we drive out to Southeast and it was this, uh, in this dude's storage unit. And just classic, you know, you know, when I was talking earlier about like you have this um, this timeline of like mistakes you have to make in your life with motorcycles. This was one of those just classic examples of, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure. Well, man, it was just running when I put it away. I'm pretty sure the carb just needs, you know, like I charge the battery and it still won't start. This guy was swearing up and down that it would start. And we get there and he pulls it out and, and nothing. And it's an electric start. It's not a kick. It's just like a um, little um, the worst. electronic ignition CDI Yamaha 250. <clears throat> and, um, you know, he's turning it, turning it, turning it. It dies. He's like, we're like hooking up jumper cables to the car, everything, oh turning God. it over. You Nothing's were determined. Happening. Well, no. And it was something like, I think he wanted like 600 bucks for it. And Jordan's like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And I was just looking at it. And I, I, you know, I, Jordan will tell you, and this is sort of a recurring theme in our friendship. I have a, uh, I have, I have Craigslist luck, something about it. And this was one of those where I just, the bike said, you know, I looked at it and it was like, I just need a carb. I just need a carb clean, and I'm going to run fine. And I said, you know what? I'll take it, but I'm not going to pay 600 bucks. I think I ended up giving him 200 or 225. That sounds like right. that. It yeah, I think it was like think, 200 yeah. bucks and uh, and a handshake. And back at the back of the truck, it went. 
And sure enough, I uh, got it back, cleaned out the carb, and um, yeah, cleaned out the carb. And first try, started up fine, ran great. I was riding that thing all over Portland. Um, just really simple yep. bike. And uh, I mean, you would take I would I would take it on the highway. This is Portland. Everyone's doing like fifty five, and I mean, you would just feel like a. a <laughs> Like a two door accord could pass you, and you just oh, you could blow it to the side. The wake would blow you over. The wind blast. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Somebody rolls their window down two lanes over, and you just like, oh god. <laughs> but that thing was super fun, and uh, same thing. It just, I think for me, that was the that was that was what did it because it it was just enough. Um, I was riding it out. I think the first long trip I took it on. I was riding out and I'd put this like, oh, I think I cut the exhaust or, or it was rusted out, but I think I cut it deliberately <laughs> as one does and put on one of those sure. like MGO shorty, like $30 mufflers. <laughs> and this thing was so loud and so obnoxious. And uh, I go for a ride out, um, out towards like Beaverton, I think just like, I don't know, just open just to go somewhere. And I make it like, God, I make it, under the like through the tunnel i'm winding around i get off on an on an exit just to go ride through some kind of like open open fieldy area on the road and all of a sudden i feel my clutch start backing out and backing out and suddenly i like lose my clutch so i have to kick it through gears all the way back and that was like my first time taking the side cover off and working figuring out how the clutch worked and the put the uh, clutch clutch actuator was working and cleaning the clutch plates and it was just one of those kind of the same thing it was so the engine's so simple um, and it was, it was, it was so reliable that I could, I could take the whole thing apart, put it back together and it would run again. And I think for me, that was the like, okay, okay. Like even, even when I don't, I have no idea what I'm doing. I can still kind of figure it out. I can still make this thing run. I can still go like be an idiot on the highway on this little 250. Uh, and it was a great bike. And I think I sold it for $750. Yeah, buddy. And then Hell spent yeah. that on a, <laughs> a CB350R, or sorry, a CB350F, the, the four-cylinder, uh, 71 or 72, um, for $750. It was a straight-across trade uh, that, I, that I pushed two miles back home, and, uh, <laughs> and that was oh. the first one. That was the first one that beat me. That one I could not. I did a whole top-end rebuild. I had no idea what I was doing for most of it. I mean, I, I did, but I didn't. I'd never worked on, like, a four-cylinder bike, and... Um, I could kind of get it to start. It was great when it ran. That bike was a blast, but ended up selling it for a thousand bucks. So all in all, I made Tight. I made a profit. I did all right. That's a great turnaround for wow. both of those. My first was I think Robert also remembers. I don't think Robert. Yeah, Robert is kind of like a good luck Craigslist. I've taken him to many dumb Craigslist things to try to coerce the luck out of the sale. Um, but Robert was not there. I don't think for when I bought my first bike. I passed on that SR250, um, and because again, I had saw, I'd seen so much thing, uh, so many like movies, and I'd seen people around town riding dual sport bikes, but I really liked the vintage looks of older bikes. Classic mistake. Uh, gosh, buying older bikes. I don't know. I don't know anymore. But um, as I have like ten in my garage, but the fir- that first bike I had was a Honda 1976 Honda XL250. <laughs> And it was really cool, but it had a boatload of problems. Uh, I went out there. The guy started it for me. It just He's like, won't idle. Just needs a carb clean, you know, the typical carb clean. And, uh, well, that was probably true. <laughs> Foolishly problem- spurned on by my success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, ah, damn, I got to catch up. Um, I bought it not too long after I got it, and it's I just had no idea what I was doing. So... I should have right off the bat ordered a carb kit, you know, ordered some new jets. Now I know all that stuff. Uh, but of course I didn't. I just took the O-rings down to Ace Hardware and tried to find O-rings that were like roughly the same size. I was oh like trimming God. them with scissors. Oh I was God. like doing whatever I could. I was so desperate to ride. I just really fumbled that bike. Uh, never really got it to run. I got it to run okay. It would, I, saw, it would run all right. I, I distinctly remember one wheelie down. <laughs> oh, uh, Yeah. That was good. I did. I remember I had no idea how a clutch worked. I dumped it, popped it up. It probably was pretty cool because I totally didn't The most dump it. magnificent wheelie down down Alma that you'd ever seen. 
I held on. I knew from that moment, I was like, I love these things. But that was pretty short-lived. I got a little bit of mileage out of that. It got stolen. I had to recover it down the street. Someone just, like, pushed it down the street. I didn't understand that people stole motorcycles. Like, who could do that? You know, it totally got stolen. Um, I paid, yeah, it was 600 bucks for it, probably $100 worth of carb kit, and uh, some minor things that would have been really solid, but I was, I was pretty dumb and got rid of it. After that, I had a long string of dual sports from a DR650. I dropped a valve. I still have the piston in my shop on my trophy trophy <laughs> shelf. And then that that XR, man, that XR650L was the first oh, bike I got that was like bike. the, that was the serious, like, okay, I can I can do this and, and got to start my doing adventures and stuff like that. Was that, um, uh, was that XL one with the, uh, one of the 23 fronts? Or the, um, oh, that's right. I did yeah. have an XL 500 for a while. That thing was an absolute bear. It was super fun when I did have it running, but that thing was a total bear. It doesn't have a kickback mechanism or, or any kind of decomp. So if you like kicked it with any bit of the, like any bit of the gas open, or if it just didn't like you that day, it would just <laughs> snap your leg off. It was like an insane amount of force, had a 23 inch front. I remember going around all around Eugene. I was living in Eugene outside of Eugene at the time. And everyone just laughed at me. They're like, no one makes 23 fronts anymore. So that was kind of that first bike. I would say it was not a good bike. And this is kind of a good segue into our uh, couple listener questions we got were actually about getting that first bike. Um, I would say it's not a good bike. And one of our questions, I'll I'll elaborate by answering the question, uh, was, you know, Chef writes, uh, they said, give me a basic guide on buying that first bike. What do you look for and how do you know how much to pay? It's been about, I think we looked at that SR250. That was the first bike I looked at. That was almost eight years ago. I think uh, pretty close to eight years ago. And I should have just walked away. I did walk away from that one, but the XL2, I should have just walked away. It's just so much better to get a bike that's running as your first bike. Um, I've had both. I know everyone's, everyone's nodding right now. I've had both, but it's just... It's so much more satisfying to have something and to learn how to work on something that's running by doing little things um, than I think it is doing it the other way around and buying a project first. Um, I know that's kind of common knowledge, but there's always that itch. You see that bike, you're like, man, I get that. Like, I could get it running. This happens a lot with vintage bikes like it did with me. I saw the 76, and I was like, oh, I could, I could totally do that. I could totally do that. Um, so I would say no, it wasn't a good first bike for me. And to answer Chef's question, um, yeah get get something running you know the base the most basic guide i can give you is get something running if you can find someone around you um you know for those who are listening who are friends of mine you can literally any time of the day night whatever send me an ad i'll tell you as much as i know about it and and what i think about it of course um or if you're in my area i'm always happy to go look at bikes but find someone like that find someone who's really passionate who really knows bikes uh really loves bikes and have them just come with you. Start the bike, listen to the bike, listen to it uh, opening, you know, throttle open and close, throttle, listen to it start cold, does it hesitate, you know, listen to how it revs through the range and just look, like use common sense. If things are missing off of it, if bolts are rounded, that's another big one, you know, just walk away. Just find something that's good and running. Bike market is kind of tough right now, everything's really expensive. But just save up. I know this clapped out moto podcast. You're expecting people to be like, yeah, just go for it. But save up just a little bit more. I always tell people if they can scrape together like a thousand, twelve hundred bucks, depending on what you're looking for, you can usually find something that's good. And just surround yourself with people who know their stuff and are happy to help you work on it. Um, and the second part of the question is, what do you look for and how do you know how much to pay? That takes time. I think anyone who's um, any of us who are on here as you buy more junk bikes or you buy more projects, uh, yep. you kind of get a feel for what's worth buying and what's not. I, it is true that I do find bikes that are a little cheaper. That kind of gets into our next question. But, um, you know, yeah, they, unfortunately, it's just something you kind of have to do a few times. And that's the best advice I can give is, is kind of get out there. Find something running for that first one, but don't be afraid to get into some projects later and and teach yourself how to work on that stuff. The best way to learn uh, what to pay for a bike is to buy a couple junk bikes and figure it out. You know, uh, that's going to be my advice. What I'll open it back up to the floor though to answer Chef's question about that basic guide for buying a first bike. What do you look for, and how would you know how much to pay? I think uh, an important caveat too that I always like to add to the. I, I definitely agree 
step one, buy something running because the more time, especially for a first bike, the more time you spend wrenching on it and not riding it, the more time you're going to get discouraged and being like, man, mm-hmm. I just want to ride this thing. And that's, and that's where, you know, for, for some of us, wrenching is half the fun or as much of the fun of it. But at the end of the day, when you're first getting into it, especially the second part, the caveat that I always like to try to add to that for people when they're coming to me for advice is to say, get something you're not afraid to drop uh, because you're going to yes. uh, don't, yes. you know, there, there's, you know, the flip side of that is there are good deals out there. There are those like dream bikes that you just like, oh man, that's the thing that made me want to ride a motorcycle. It's so cool. Know that, especially for a first bike, you're going to drop it. It's just going to happen. Um, so have that in the back of your head, I guess. Be like, how am I going to yes. feel, uh, you know, if, if 10 people were looking at me, watching me try to take my first corner and I just like roll off of this thing as it slams and slides across the pavement. Um, it's going to happen. Because it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Guaranteed. You're going to get up. You're going to learn. And that's just a part of the thing. But yes. Danny, Chris, any recommendations? Um, I would say, yeah, A, get something that's running and something that you're not afraid to drop. Also... Something where you can find a manual. Mm-hmm. So and parts. When, and parts. Like, and, <laughs> and that does take some, like, Googling and some research. But I think the best thing about the DT being my first bike is we, ha- we, f- we were able to find a cool, like, manual for it. So when I could do maintenance, which is, like, you have a bike that's already running, so then you're going to want to learn how to maintain the bike then it's easy to like get into like this is how you can do something by looking at the manual learning how to like clean your air box change the oil like polish up your tires change a tire like basic maintenance stuff because then you're like able to like ride your bike and work on your bike and do minor repairs and then really get the whole picture of like having a motorcycle which is really nice. We're definitely going to have a maintenance episode. Um, I have like a billion episodes planned, but <laughs> maintenance is definitely on there. It's going to be one coming up. Danny, any thoughts on this question? Yeah. Um, kind of like Chris said, the manual is really helpful, but also like just look it up on YouTube. Like there's people who do yes. like overviews of their bikes and like will show you like random things or like, oh, how to clean the carb on this thing or just that way you know. Um, and then bring someone with you if you can like jordan mentioned or we live in an era where you can just like video chat someone facetime them um i know i went to look at that uh, cb 175 like two years ago and i i called jordan and spent like 20 minutes on the phone with him before <laughs> ended up at deep in east county with this dude who's like well it runs but i'm not gonna let you ride it because i don't trust this bike and i was like mm. <laughs> What? No, I think I'm going to pass on this then. <laughs> He's like, but I got these other yeah. two under the tarp if you want to take a look at those. I was like, oh, tarp no. bikes. No, I'm good. Oh, God. <laughs> um, the second question I got was from B, and B asks, um, this I think might have been kind of directed towards me. Um, <laughs> what are the... What are the best bikes to buy under $500, and how do you find bikes for free? I will say, B, um... I live on Facebook Marketplace. I think Robert and Danny yes. um, and maybe Chris to an extent are kind of in the same boat. I just live on there. And when I say I live, I mean, like, I get, I have tag notifications for certain bikes so that when a certain uh, word, like, pops up, I, I get, like, a notification from it. I have a problem. I am admitting <laughs> that. It's not a good habit. I'm saying for a first bike, you don't, you don't have to worry about that. Um, but one thing I will say, and this is kind of a... a a plug outside of moto is you lose as the great one said you lose every shot you don't take and i find that with people with bikes if we're talking about me with bikes if you come out to my house now and let's say like i'm selling a bike or something and you come like talk to me and are personable and tell me about you know what you're gonna do and things like that i'm not saying this works every time but i found that like just talking to people going out there and just seeing what will happen i'm not saying lowball people i'm not saying like i have 500 will you sell it don't do that don't do that but if you're close you're not quite there go talk to them don't do the bar bartering like bargaining online what's your lowest dollar i <laughs> hate that shit i fucking despise that first shit. message if what's you the lowest come- you'll take Oh, yeah. <laughs> if I had a, what's the lowest you'll take? 
if I had a dollar every time, I'd have thousands yeah. of dollars. But, you know, like, go talk to people. And I know that can be kind of intimidating. Um, but especially when someone comes, they're like, oh, I'm thinking about it as a first bike or something. Uh, usually if it's a project, I'll steer them away and be like, no, fuck, no, no, you need to go, but it's something that's running. But, like, you know, if someone, I've had a lot of interactions with people where I'll go to get a bike and I just kind of talk with them and maybe we exchange numbers. Like this WR, I just got the guy in, in Boise, like, you know, we're going to go ride later and we, we text sometimes and stuff like that. Like, it's it's a big community and I think a majority of the people in the moto community want to see other people riding and the hookups and the deals are out there but you you can't just sit behind the screen the whole time you got to like get out there and go talk to people and you'll find you'll find really good deals join some local groups too Mm -hmm. like online or outside of covid time if they're actually meeting to ride and you'll find a lot of groups will like like some of the dirt bike groups i'm a part of if someone's looking for something they'll they'll give you the hookup um so just talk to people yeah You'll, you'll find good deals also don't be surprised because this happens this happens to us this has happened to me and jordan on numerous occasions where we're going to get something that is completely unrelated to motorcycles like for instance we got our two couches out of baker city and we go in and we're picking up these couches and jordan gets to shooting the shit with the dude and finds out that this homie has like three bikes in the garage or something and they're all super old he's like oh yeah i don't ride anymore and then he's just like i was gonna try to sell these things but he doesn't know how to use the internet or Mm -hmm. whatever so he's just got bikes like pristine beautiful bikes collecting dust in a very nice well-weathered garage just like ready to go I don't want to give out too many secrets, but rural areas tend to have some pretty gnarly deals. And just be nice to these old folks. Chat them up. You know, don't be an asshole. And you never know what kind of deal you're going to get. I think time out. Time out and rewind just really quick. Don't buy bikes from people in their 20s. Don't. Bottom line. Don't do it. Bottom line. Biggest mistake. I I don't know. I hate to say this because I was a 20-something working on bikes. All my bolts were rounded. All my shit was broken. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's not always the rule. I bought the WR250 from a guy who was younger than me. I'm just saying, I bought every bike I bought that's been like really, really solid has been from like 56 year olds who are like, they take the time to do the maintenance. They care yeah. about the bike. I'm just saying. They've had the been, same bike they that they bought in their tools. 40s. <laughs> yeah. They use real tools. We'll they have an episode on Harbor <laughs> yeah. Freight. It's coming. The, the only time that I. Sponsored by Harbor Freight. The only time I bought a bike <laughs> off someone who was in his 20s, it was like he was a mechanic for work and had been riding dirt bikes and mopeds and everything two-wheeled for like his and he lived life. above a liquor store no this was a dude in orange <laughs> county i, <laughs> I drove from san diego to orange county to buy a hundred dollar moped oh, oh yeah I so do remember hearing the to, story, yeah. to find a bike for under five hundred dollars you gotta be willing to drive you gotta ride mopeds <laughs> yeah or ride, ride, or ride mopeds. To drive. <laughs> solved. i think just, i think another thing too and this is kind of going in line with uh what everybody said is like you a lot of times you just have to ask because you'll realize in your journey uh, if you're if you're newer to it and if you've been in it for a while you already know that one thing that comes with buying junk motorcycles is trying to get rid of your junk motorcycles and anyone mm-hmm. who's tried to get rid of a junk motorcycle knows it doesn't matter what price you put on that ad when somebody comes and has like a hundred dollars in their hand and you're looking at this thing that's been leaking oil in a corner of your garage for the last six months and they're like oh, this is what i have it starts to look real appealing just to get the thing out of your life mm-hmm. so i think i think sometimes it's just showing up having the interest and just talking to somebody can make the difference totally. the inverse is also true i was helping a friend buy their first uh dual sport and the first bike we went to look at was an XR600, and I have like a pretty intimate knowledge of the 650-600, especially the single carb 650-600. Uh, and um, I was like trying to chat them up. You know, if anyone knows me, I love talking about motorcycles. I will talk to literally anyone about their bikes. I love all bikes. I do not care where they're from. I just I just want to talk about bikes. I often find myself stopping to talk to people about bikes. So I arrived to the sale a little bit early and I was talking to this dude who was selling it. He did not want to answer any questions about it. And I, I like instantly got turned off. I was like, I don't trust this guy. 
And um, so kind of that's a long way of saying the inverse of that. The bike was really clapped out. He wanted a ton of money for it. And I told my friend, I said, listen, yeah, this thing's cool. I love these bikes. I can help you do everything on it, but walk away. Like there's going to be a better bike. A long story short, we found a DRZ that I actually had known of before. Super clean. It was cheaper. It was just so much all around a better bike. Um, walk away. Like learn how to say it's okay. I can walk away mm-hmm. and I'll find that next deal. It's so hard. It's so hard when you have the cash in your hand and you're ready to buy it. You know, it's a big purchase. You're like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. But like I told them, just just walk away. Like it's not the end of the world. There are always other bikes. Yep. And I will say one last little tip. I don't want to give away all my secrets, but buy in the winter. The winter, at least here in the Northwest. Unless you live in uh, Southern California, cold, yeah. Then you're fucked either way because it's always <laughs> yeah. sunny and warm there. So everyone's always riding. But if you live in a place where today. it snows... Or it's cold, like buy it in the winter. Yeah. Prices do generally tend to come down. Now is now's the time. Prices are 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 coming down. Mm-hmm. We'll see when that next stimmy comes though. I don't know. May might spike back up. But well, I mean, that's pretty much it. Um, we just wanted to go through, you know, our different uh, Wait, no, takes on that stuff and and you know, we're um, just this is kind of the format of the show we want to hear from you listening at home uh, maybe you have some more questions we're going to cover a lot of other topics we'll try to announce the topics we're going to try to do this weekly i think it's going to work out I think so and uh and we'd love to hear some questions and comments and uh we have a first guest book i won't say too much but this guest definitely embodies that uh clapped out lifestyle so yeah we're gonna hope that this is probably you're listening to this on soundcloud right now but we should be on spotify pretty soon um our instagram is uh clapped out pod that's c-l-a-p-p-e-d out o-u-t-p-o-d but um or you can send us an email at clappedmoto at gmail.com yes and yeah any final thoughts um stoked to be here (laughs) <laughs> stoked to talk about motorcycles as a i don't know jack shit <laughs> no not not really but like to the learn as you go you know yeah I and i would say the whole probably should have said this at the top like we've all of us have only been riding i think it's been seven or eight years for me and that's really been on and off it wasn't until about six years ago i got my first really solid dual sport and started taking trips we'll talk about all that kind of stuff in another episode but We're definitely not experts. We're just a bunch of people who really like riding and just have been through that initial process and want to share a little bit more about that. So, again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. What did you expect? Three parts later. I don't know. I don't know what I expected. All right.